As we uh, parachute back into a, I hope, a, a little bit of a regular schedule taking us to Purim, uh, which is our next uh, milestone, um, I thought we would give a, a single standalone shear today, and then maybe we'll transition into some series going to Purim. But for today is a single standalone shear on the role of friends or friendship in, uh, from a Jewish or a, uh, a Torah perspective. And I'd like to uh, divide up the discussion into two broad uh, focuses. Fokai, is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Shtayim Shem Shalosh, so to speak, uh, which is that uh, the second one will be slightly subdivided. That is to say, I want to speak initially to see some of the Torah sources that just speak broadly about the role of friendship. Uh, and again, the kind of things that perhaps commonsensically we might think of on our own, if you will, for lack of a better term, secular you know, reasons why we might think that it's important to have good friends, but it's still validating, I would say, to see it in Torah sources. Uh, but then I want to focus the second part of this year on the religious benefits. And in, what, in what sense, as a religious person, is your community, is your social circle, is having friends an important part of your religious development? And, as we could, to subdivide that into specifically, because there are a lot of sources that specifically speak about a community of learners. What's the role of friendship or having people to be with when it comes specifically to Torah study? So those are the... The two broad and then the sub, the little third set, set of uh, angle that I wanted to discuss. And I'd like to anchor or bookend our discussion with two Mishnahs in Pirkei Avos. The first is in source number one on top of your sheet. This is a very famous one. Right in the beginning of Pirkei Avos in the first chapter, Yeshua ben Prachi Omer, Asei lecha rav, uknei lecha chaver. Right? So he also says you should be a... a Temperate and a, uh, you know, a deliberate judge, and also to Okay, that's uh, not our topic right now, obviously. Uh, even Aselacharav, uh, not our topic. But So we colloquially translate this as you should, you know, have a lot of friends. And if you want to be a little bit more precise, acquire friends. But the truth is, it's a very strange verb to buy friends, to acquire friends. It doesn't really say to have friends. So you see there's something important about friends, but the whole buying thing, I think, obviously immediately catches our attention. Uh, at the very least, it's a curiosity, and it could be even more bothersome than that. What is it, to buy off people, bribe people to be my friends? I mean, when I was a kid, I knew somebody like this, that they would, uh, I'm using the generic uh, pronoun they, I don't want to be even more specific than that. Uh, I don't want to even give, give away the gender. But there was somebody I knew growing up who... You know, basically, to have people around them uh, was always, you know, making sure to give money or to buy, you know, snacks for everybody. It's not impressive. So that can't, it's hard. It can't be what the it can't be what the Mishnah means. But if it doesn't mean that, so what, what exactly is the Mishnah saying? Okay, we'll get back to that. But right away, we see without any reference, at least not explicitly, to religious goals and Torah or from God. Just it's important to have friends. Okay, source number two is from the last and final chapter, sixth chapter of Perki Avos. We've mentioned in the past, but it's always good to re- review and remind ourselves that Perki Avos was originally only five chapters. And then at some point, going back many, 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 many hundreds of years, perhaps even more than a thousand, there became the practice, the minhag, the custom of studying Perki Avos in between Pesach and Shavuos. So when Pesach finally ends, there are six weeks till Shavuos. So a five-chapter Perki Avos was one short. So they added a sixth chapter. Okay, so this is that sixth chapter. And because they added it so they could get to Shavuos, 
that chapter is predominantly about Torah study, because it's the chapter we customarily study, customarily study right before Shavuos, Matan Torah. So this is known as like Perk Kinyan Torah. And as we've quoted in various Shurim over the years, one of the central, it's actually in some versions, it can be over two, two or three different Mishnahs, one of the central things in that sixth chapter of Perk Yavos is a very famous teaching that says that Torah can be acquired in 48 ways. There are 48 different attributes or personality traits or things that a person needs to have. Torah nicknames, but mem chesed There are 48 different kinyanim that a person has to have. Just as a side point, some of you may be familiar, uh, one of the people who kind of made that teaching famous in more recent generations is Rav Noach Weinberg of Eisha Torah. And in fact, I think to this day you can find on their website tapes and video and audio, all sorts of stuff of his famous teaching. And then in fact, I think a few years ago, somebody from Eisha Torah put it into a book, it's an art scroll book. The 48 Kinyanim were the 48 paths of Chach. I can't remember what they called it. Teachings of Noah Weinberg. But it's all based on this one teaching in Perkyavos. So I give you that introduction because one of the 48, one of the 48 says the Mishnah source number two, is, and there's actually different versions of the text, but in the standard version that we have, Diktuk Chaverim. Or other versions say, Dibuk Chaverim. Now, we're not going to focus too much on the difference between those two even though there's what to say about that, but I don't think we need to get into that nuance for our shir. But what you see here, I only want to bring out the following point. In the context of giving people a roadmap, a guide to how to become a Talmud Chacham, how to become more scholarly, how to become more accomplished in learning, one of the, so you can imagine all sorts of things you would expect, to be a diligent student, to have good teachers, those kind of things you'd expect if I'm giving you know, academic advice. But there are all sorts of things on that list that you are not obvious. And one of the things that perhaps is a, I wouldn't say it's a shock, but it's not obvious either. Mishnah says, have good friends, be close with your friends. Now that is, again, highlighting the importance of friendship, but here we have a completely different impression, a completely different context. It's not some general idea about friendship. It is specifically located in a teaching about Torah. So that's why I say hopefully we'll get in the second part of the year to the more broader discussion, not only about um, Torah study, but also even just religious growth and development. Where does Torah study uh, fit in? Uh, where, where does friendship, excuse me, fit into that? Okay, so now that we see the bookends, if you will, the brackets of our shir, these two mishnayos in Perki Avos, let's uh, go to the first part of our uh, program, if you will, and that is the original mishnah and the idea of friendship in general. Again, that first mission, there was no context of Torah study, there was even a context of religiosity. They're just advice, life advice. And let's specifically understand why the friendship is so important by fixating on that curious verb, knei. What is that talking about? Again, we seem, it seems just obvious and intuitive. It doesn't mean buy off your friends, bribe your friends to be, to be with you. That can't be. So let's see uh, two interpretations, which I think really are two shtaim shem echa. They're really getting at the same point, and I think it's really actually quite instructive. So if you take a look at source number three, the great commentary on Mishnah, Ravavajim Bartanura. Before it was a wine, he was a commentator. And before he was a commentator, which is a city, it was a city in Italy. It all comes from the same place, a city in Italy. So says Ravavajim Bartanura, source number three, in interpreting this Mishnah, Says Bartanura, he adds just that one word, but it changes the entire meaning. 
He says, yes, on the one hand, yes. The word kinei is alluding literally to money. Should I be bribing people to be friends with me? No, not really, of course not. But the Mishnah uses this provocative language as a way of communicating how important friendship is. Even if you would have to buy, it would be worth it. It's the even that's the Chiddush. Not, it's not ideal, of course not. That's not right. But you might think, yeah, how important is it? It's not describing a level of authenticity of the relationship. It's a, it's a way of expressing how important it is. That even if you would have to buy it, it would still be worth it. Because that's how important a friend is. And I think this is really even more uh, fully understood. We took a look at source number four, Rabbeinu Yonah. So source number four, Rabbeinu Yonah is also, again, bothered by the same thing. Why are we using this verb of kinyan or nikiyah, as he says it? So his first interpretation, right on the first line, is similar. But as what we saw, im lo Of course, ideally, normal, authentic relationships don't require paying anybody. And yet, the Mishnah is saying, Kinei, because if you can't, it didn't work. You might have thought, okay, I'm a loser. I have no friends. I'll just figure out how to be happy with myself. So the Mishnah is saying, no, it's important to have a social circle. It's important to be a social person, even, even if you'd have to. Clearly not ideal. It's not the first choice, the second choice, or the third choice. But if it was between that and being alone, it would still be worth it. Okay, that's the, we already saw that from the Bartanura. Rebbe Yona echoes that. But if you look in the second line, he then says, oh, alternatively, Shiknehu bepius devarim ubeloshon racha. Vloyakpid bedvarav yisbol imre piu afkishiyomar devar konegdo ayishiveyu ma'ane. This is breathtaking. You understand what he just did? In his second interpretation, he says, you have to understand kinei not literally, like to buy with money. That was his first interpretation, that's the Bartanura. But again, not to really buy off. It's just really a way of expressing how important friendship is, even if you'd have to. But his second interpretation is completely different. It doesn't mean literally to buy with money. It's a figurative expression that sometimes the price we pay for having relationships is we have to suffer through the idiosyncrasies of our friends. Again, let's read it again. Now you understand what he's saying. You should be ikneu, but pius Sometimes you have to go out of your way to say nice things, even if you don't really feel that way. Loshon racha. You got to speak softly. Lo yakbid bidvarov. Don't be so makbid on the person, even if they're driving you crazy and they're saying things that are annoying or they're this. You don't have to be so uh, makbid on everything. Sometimes you have to suffer a little bit. Sometimes the relationship is worth it. You should suffer a little bit. Sometimes they don't talk nicely to you. The person wasn't as sensitive as they should be. They, they said what they shouldn't have. They didn't call when they should have. Sometimes you have to suffer it a little bit. Don't just all of a sudden re, you know, reject them because they were, weren't perfect. They don't always say the right thing. They're not always there at the right moment. They don't always exactly know what you need to hear or need to feel or call exactly when you want them to call. That's it. They're not good enough. They're not perfect. No. Shabalo kein lo yishar ba'ava shadeus cholim. Says Rabbi Yonah again. He says it so understatedly, but it's so profound. Because if you take that attitude, you'll never have love. And by this he means he doesn't. He's not talking necessarily in romantic love. He means of friendship. But it would be true about romantic relationships too. There ain't nobody who's perfect. Now you ask me, where's the line? Like at some point, 
<laughs> like I don't have to suffer everything. Okay, that's not our topic today. Obviously, whether it be in a friendship relationship, there are, there are friendships which are just too much already. Like it's just abusive or they're just not, not, it's not healthy for me. I'm not happy being friendly with this person. No one's saying you have to suffer. It's not, he doesn't really mean that. And obviously, God forbid, in extreme situations, that's also true in marriages. Right? There's a line at some point where people just can't take anymore and they shouldn't have to take anymore. But we're not discussing that extreme. But the other extreme, which a person might mistakenly think is correct, says Rabbi Yonah, that's what the Mishnah is coming to say. Don't think that relationships are only worthwhile in having and investing in if we're just, you know, it's all profit and no expense, so to speak. What's the profit and expense? It doesn't mean actual money. Oh yeah, I'm always paying for coffee. You know, whenever the, whenever the bill comes, oh, she doesn't have a credit card. There are people like this. But that's not even what it's talking about. It's the broader point. That yes, it's true. Your best friend, your oldest friend, and I would add, yes, even your spouse or other <coughs> important relationships that we have. It could be even in a parenting relationship. or you know, in, It's true. They're not always going to be doing exactly what you think is right or what you need. And if you were just worrying about what you're getting out of it, the profit, so to speak, of the relationship... You'd be very quick in many cases to say, you know, there's not, this, is, you know this, this is not a credit, this is a debit. So says Rabbi Yoda, that's what the Mishnah is teaching us. If you want to have friends, if you don't want to be alone, you want to have good relationships, there is a price to pay. There's a price to pay. And the price is that sometimes it's, they're not perfect. Sometimes they're not there for you emotionally. Sometimes they say things or do things that hurt your feelings. Again, there's a line by which at some point you don't want to have a relationship with such people, of course. But it's not zero. You have to be willing to pay some price to be able to have relationships. Now, I don't need to, I think, belabor the point anymore. This is profound. This is really important. And this is something we need to think about. Again, in all the various concentric circles that make up our life. I will just add... That when the next time you think about how, you know, this is really a high price to pay for this relationship, just remember, they might, sometimes might feel the same thing about you. You know, being close to you or being close to me is not always profit either for them. They have to pay a little bit to be in a relationship with us. That's the whole point, says Rabinion, and nobody's perfect. So again, on balance, if you don't feel you're gaining from the relationship more than you're losing, why would you have such a relationship? I think that's fair. But it shouldn't think that it's all receiving and no giving, or all profit and no pain or no pay. Says Rabbi Yona, sometimes you quote unquote have to pay for a relationship. You have to be willing to suffer a little bit because that's just what people are. No one's perfect. And if you think that you're always going to have the profit, the, the profit, and never have any of the expense, as he says again in that last line, I repeat it: below Cain, lo yish er ba'ava. You're not going to have anything. If you want to have love, i.e., relationships with people. You have to be willing to suffer a little bit because people are people and they're going to hurt you, they're going to disappoint you and there's just no other way. So this really completely shifts uh, the whole perspective and for me, I would say, if, if for no other reason it was worth it coming today just to learn the Rebbe Yona. Chaval for the people who aren't here. Okay. Now, now that we... But, but, so despite the fact that I just, and I think correctly so, emphasize what is so unique and so profound about the Rebbe Yona, both interpretations of Rabbeinu Yono, or really Rabbeinu Yono and the Bartanura, they are in a certain sense saying the same thing, which is that what they're really, they're both, the common thread 
the common denominator of both of these interpretations is that the expression <coughs> is a way of the Mishnah telling us how important it is to have friends. Even if you had to pay for it, literally. Even if you have to suffer a little bit. Because that's how important relationships are. That's how important friendship is. Okay, now, that was important to start that way. But what neither of these sources yet explained is why. What about friendships is so important? In what ways will friendships benefit us? And for this, I want to turn to uh, two sources. Uh, the continuation of Rabbi Yonah we'll get to. But I also want to speak about the Rambam. In our family, this is a very famous Rambam, because my wife has heard me speak about this many times. If I'm not mistaken, she herself has taught this uh, many times. But this is a Rambam that I first came across, I think, before we were married. And certainly, if not, then in the early years of our marriage. And I've been teaching this in various contexts for many, many years. And this is a very world-famous Rambam in source number five. And the Rambam itself is in the commentary to this mission of Perkyavos. And the Rambam here does something, and we'll see it in Rabbeinu Yonah in a minute, in source number six. He doesn't say the exact same thing, but they're very parallel sources. Both of them point out that there are multiple different, not exclusive, not contradictory, I should say, but different benefits to friendships, which I will probably repeat, but I might as well clarify even at the outset. I think it's obvious the different benefits from friendship can come from different friends. So we have a different social circle, or we have our spouse who provides this type of benefit, and we have our you know, this relationship that provides this. So there could be different types of friendship which we get from different people. And the cocktail, as it were, gives us emotional wholeness. But it's also true, when we're fortunate, that one person can provide different things. Right? And, you know, in the context of a marriage, it would be ideally you could get everything from that one person. I'm not saying it has to be everything from one. But in theory, it's even possible. Okay? So let's see. The Rambam and Rabbi Yona, they don't have the exact same list. But they both describe three levels or three types of or three benefits from friendship. So let's take a look at the Rambam, source number five. And you see right in the first line, he says, There are three types of friends. Again, I repeat, these could be three complete different people. Or hypothetically, one person can provide multiple uh, benefits. So you see at the end of the first line, what's the first level? The first thing the Rambam says is, Chaver hatoelis. Now here, he's really stretching the word friend, uh, frankly, I would say. But on the lowest level, the Rambam says, you can have a friend or a person you have a relationship with, a good relationship with, because there is a toelis. There's a benefit. You each receive something in the relationship. As we might call it, it's a transactional relationship. Now I would add, the Rambam doesn't say this explicitly, but I think it's obvious, that is very unhealthy, maybe even unethical, if that's not obvious or honest. If the person thinks you really love them, and you're really just being nice because you're getting something from them. So that's unethical. You're using the person. You're misleading the person. I don't think that's what drama means. But a lot of times, as you'll see, he give an example in a second, it's above board. We understand. We have this relationship because we each contribute something that the other one wants. So we're not the best of friends. In Hanami, the Rambam is not saying this is the highest level. This is the lowest level. But it's something. Don't knock it. We, uh, we have interactions with people. They're not random people. They're people we actually keep relationships with. Because they provide a service and we provide a service. So he gives an example. Harihu kechaverut shnei shutfim. Or the melech v'chelyo. It could be 
partners in a business. You're the brains, I'm the marketing, you invented the app, I'm the one who sells it. All sorts of things. You could have a relationship with you. Again, I'll, I'll be even the most... If you have a cleaning lady, you have a nice... For years, this person comes, cleans your house once a week, twice a week, whatever, how many times a week. You have a relationship because they provide a service. And you know why they have a relationship with you? Because you provide a service. You pay them. It's a relationship. We're not alone. We're not Robinson Crusoe. We don't live on an island. You have a relationship with a person. Yes, it's true. The context of the relationship is we each benefit. And that's okay. We're not tricking anybody. We understand that. Says the Rambam. We shouldn't knock that. That's already a level. Interesting. Again, I don't know if colloquially we would call that a friend. The Rambam says that's a friend. Now again, it happens to be I know people who become friends with their, with, the, with you know, if they have the same plumber for many years and the same this for many years, and certainly a business partner for sure. And there can be all sorts of different relationships that we have. If you think about it, there are people that we know in our life, and the reason we know them is because they do something for us. But we actually like them, and they provide. You know, but again, if there wouldn't be that context, I don't know if I'm going to invite them to Babar Mitzvah, and if they stop going to that business, I might never see them again. Okay, because the context. The, the glue of the relationship is the transaction. So it's not the highest thing, but it's something. You should appreciate that. That's number one, says the Rambam. The second thing the Rambam says, next line, which he actually subdivides, is Chavar Hanachas. Which as you'll see, the way I like to explain this, is it's more of a, it's, it's a relationship that doesn't provide a service for us, but provides a kind of physical or emotional pleasure to us. We, we gain something more intangible, not a transactional, but there is something of a connection on a deeper level. And to this, he says, even on two levels. The first, he says, is could be even physical or romantic. He calls it chavar hana'ah. And there could be other examples of this, but he says a paradigm of this might be, where it's underlined next line, the relationship that men and women can have. And there's a benefit that men and women can provide each other. And again, I don't think it's unique to men and women or ro- romance, but there could be some kind of relationship that you have with somebody. That's one of the points that he says. But I think the main point he says, and you can tell because he spends more time on it, is in the next line he calls a chavar habitachon. There's a certain level of trust. And there's a certain nachas, a certain benefit, a certain pleasure that we have in having someone that we can trust. A chavar habitachon. As he says here, Our souls are, so to speak, bound with each other. We trust each other. I don't have to hide anything from this person. This is the key insight of the Rambam here. I don't have to hide anything from that person. I share things with this person. I don't hide who I am. The good things and the bad. The, the things I'm proud of, maybe the things less so. And we don't have to worry that if I show that side of me to that person, they're going to hop me. They're going to get me. They're going to put me down. They're going to hurt me. They're going to use it against me. Me, me to him and her, or her to him or to me. Again, if it's only one way, it's not a relationship. But says the Ramam, this is a whole other level. Now it's not just what they do for me, but it's this emotional connection. That there's a certain level of trust. And again, I think it's ingenious. I think it stood the test of hundreds of years of collective uh, Jewish and non-Jewish wisdom, this insight of the Rambam, that a litmus test for how close 
any two people are on an emotional level, in essence, if you want to pick one word to reframe what he's saying, says Ramam, vulnerability. Can I be vulnerable with such a person? Can I share things that I wouldn't want other people to know, but I'm willing to share it with him or with her? That could be a best friend. Could be a sibling. Certain people are blessed to be very close with their siblings. And obviously, halavai, halavai, it's a spouse. But, and again, it doesn't mean you only have one person in your life. The point is, you could have people in your life that provide this type of, you know, if you talk about what, what, what's the benefit to having people in my life? The answer is, well, one is very transactional. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to, you know, change a tire. And I'm not interested in cleaning the house every day. So you have different people in your life that help provide services, and you do the same for them. That's transactional. That's, again, you can, have, you can be a mensch about it. But it's still a low level. On a much higher level, says the Rambam, can be when, you're pro, when there's a, a deeper cement that bonds the two. A deeper glue. Okay? Now, the third thing the Rambam says, we're going to come back to, but I'll just mention it now. The third thing the Rambam describes is closer to the religious benefits. When there's a certain common goal. Or religi- it doesn't have to be religious, although we're going to focus on that. But the Ram is going to describe something more idealistic even than just the emotional bond that we spoke about in level two. But we'll come back to that, I promise. Let's skip now to source number six. That's Rabbeinu Yonah. This is not as well known. Rabbeinu Yonah also describes three benefits. You see here right in the beginning of source number six. L'shlosha dvarim adam el hatov. There's three reasons why we need to have good friends. Now, the, Ra- the Rabbeinu Yonah also has three but the first two of his are religious. So we're going to skip those. Okay, we're going to skip the first two. Again, we're going to get back to both of those in, uh, shortly. But if you skip down to the bottom of Rebbe to the bottom of source number six, the second to last line, you see he says, Hashlishi, L'inyan ha'etza. What does that mean? L'inyan ha'etza, shi'ikachenu liyos lo, me'ir l'azor b'chol inyano, u'lakachat mimenu etza tova, u'liyot ben sodo, acher heyoto, imo b'brit, v'lo yigalenu l'acherim. Not identical, but very, very similar to what the Rambam said as an emotional point. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, the kind of person that you trust enough that you ask their advice. You care, their, you care about their opinion. And then he adds at the end, which is really almost exactly like the Rambam, this is the person you share things with. Liot ben Sodo, you'll share, you'll share your secrets with that person. Because there's a certain bond, a certain covenant a certain bris you have with that person, you don't have to worry that they're going to go then tell somebody else what you just said. Right? There's a certain trust that exists in that relationship. So that is not identical, identical, 100%, but it's basically the same idea as the Rambam. What the Rambam called level two, so Rabbi Yonah mentions this as third idea. And again, I think, if you and I were just, as they call it nowadays, maybe the corporate world, whiteboarding it, you know, we were just kind of, I was saying, let's everyone come up with ideas. I would just, we had no sources. We were just talking amongst ourselves. What are the benefits to having good friends? Having good relationships? I think we might have come up with, certainly this middle idea, I think we would have come up with. And maybe even the first one, if we expanded our notion of what we call a friend. So as I said in the outset of this year, I think these first ideas I wanted to focus on, the quote-unquote secular, or the generic reasons why Chazal and the Torah might think it's good to have friends, are not necessarily radical chidushim, but to me at least it's validating to see people like the Rambam and Rabbeinu Yonah make these points. Right? It's, you know, first of all, it's validating for our own experiences. It's also validating to think that you know, we had Rishonim, you know, people who were living hundreds and hundreds of years ago who intuited these certain basic truths. 
about the human experience and the human personality. And I think that the, you know it's very, very important, and we should not, to the extent that we sometimes downplay or overlook our need for these things, it's a mistake. We shouldn't, because it really, really is important. And just like no person, you know, again, that's the whole modern economy, but you know, again, no one can be Robinson Crusoe. How many? You know, we can't live on our own. We just don't, life's too complicated. We can't do everything. We don't have the time or the skill to do everything. So we all rely on, you know, the village, if you will, to live. That's that. That's for sure true. But the second point is just as true, maybe if not more so, that an emo- emotionally, yeah, there was a certain genre of literature that romanticized, you know, the lonely life, the Robinson Crusoe. Judaism never did. Judaism always recognized. The more, you know, the idea more of, uh, was it Plato or Aristotle, whichever one of them made that point first, that man is a social animal. That human beings need to be with each other. Again, it, but it's not just a practical point. That's the lowest level. It's true, but it's the lowest point. But on an emotional level, we need people that we feel that we can trust. We need people that we can be ourselves in front of, that we can be vulnerable in front of, that we can share things with, that we know they're not going to hurt us, use it against us, share with us, tell other people. That emotional connection... Again, it doesn't mean there has to only be one person. There could be certain people are blessed. They can be super close with uh, their mom or their dad, and they're super close with their brother or their sister, and hopefully, hopefully super close with their spouse, and maybe close to their children, and have three best friends. There are people, and you know, whatever, whoever, and wherever we get it from. But we need this, and it's interesting to see that these are the commentaries and pergolos making that point. Okay, now I want to transition, if I could, unless anyone has a question. Typical ladies. Okay. Very few questions in this year. Um, I know I'm very smart, but still. I don't say, every, I don't say everything that's smart. Some other people can say smart things too. Okay. Uh, in all seriousness, let's move on now to part two, which is specifically, the Mepharshim point out, and I already alluded to this, that there are religious benefits. And in our religious life, in our quest to be better people, be better Jews, be closer to Hashem, we can't do that alone either. I don't just mean because we need a minion. But on a more emotional, existential level, on a substantive level, we need other people. So how so and in what way? So if you go back to Rabbeinu Yonah now, just the first parts of, we're still on source number six, but go to the top of source number six now. So Rabbeinu Yonah starts off by mentioning two points. Torah, and then in the second line he says, mitzvos. So the Torah, we really are going to get back to because we're going to do a whole section. The last 10-15 minutes of the Shia are just going to be about Torah. But the second line, look at Rabbeinu Yonah on the second line, source number 6. He calls this a mitzvot, but as you see in the continuation, he doesn't mean mitzvot the way sometimes we use the word. He says, He says, it's important to have a relationship with somebody. It's going to provide you what he calls mitzvah benefit. But I, I'm going to more tr- broadly translate religious benefit. And he adds something very interesting. Even if the person is not necessarily more pious, says the Rabbi Yonah, I'm not just referring to, well, you have a friend who's a bigger tzaddik than you, because they'll help promote and you know, give you, be a role model for you. That might be true. But Rabbi Yonah is saying, it doesn't even have to be that. It could be someone on your level. Right? Let's say it could be a person that every now and then, again, you don't want someone who's going to be a really bad influence on you. Of course not. But says Rabbeinu Yonah, even if it's a person who's not perfect, who's not even on a higher level than you, that sometimes just makes mistakes, and that he falls short. But it's basically a good person. So says Rabbeinu Yonah, you have a lot of people, again, if they're like Bashita about doing X or Y or Z wrong, so that's not a good thing. 
We have a lot of people, I mean, this is pretty much all of us, right? We make mistakes just because we're lazy or because whatever the pleasure ratio is, we feel it's better to do or not do X instead of the right thing. Right? That's the way consciously or unconsciously most of us are making our mistakes and our bad decisions. But says Rabbi Yonik, and he's speaking very kind of granularly, but I think we can, in, in, in keeping with the spirit of his words, we can say it in a more broad, broader sense. But in a granular sense, he's, he says very technically, very limitedly, narrowly, I should say, if the only reason I do make mistakes is because, you know, uh, let's say, for example, I don't know, um, what would be a good example? Uh, a man going to Minion. So why does he go to Minion? Because he wants to sleep late. But if that would be the reason, but he's not going to be like a bad influence on me that I shouldn't go to Minion. Because he doesn't, get any, he doesn't get any benefit when I don't go to Minion. He only gets a benefit when he doesn't go to Minion. Or to take ten other examples that you could imagine. They're not going to be a bad influence on me because they only do the wrong thing when it's pleasurable to them. But they're not going to be trying to tell me not to do the right thing. Therefore, they're gonna, since they really believe in the thing, they're happy and they can even promote and encourage me to do the right thing. That's the way he puts it in a kind of very narrow uh, sense. And I'll just finish reading it inside. People sin out of self-interest, unless they're really, you know, Bashitaniks. But most people are just serving out of selfishness or, you know, pleasure principle. And therefore, he says, if that's the case, then even though neither of us are perfect, but my selfish needs and the reason I sometimes fall short and I can be the same thing as that my friends sometimes fall short. And therefore, as a result, since we both really care about doing the right thing, we're just not perfect, but we'll actually pick each other up. So in other words, again, I have to extrapolate or embellish a little bit because it doesn't say more than I just read. But I think what he's getting at is that if you have a relationship with a person who's basically a good person, Again, they're not perfect. We don't, we don't mean everyone should find the biggest Rebetzin or the biggest rabbi and make that person your best friend. I mean, there are people who live in communities where they're very close with the rabbi or the Rebetzin and it does help them. Halavai. But he doesn't, he says he's explicit that he's not referring to that only. Just, um, you have good people in your life. They're not perfect and you're not perfect. But since basically you're a good person trying to do the right thing, living a virtuous life, and they're a good person trying to be a good person and live a virtuous life, You'll compliment each other. There'll be a lot of times where you'll both want to, just use an example, you'll both want to go to this year. Let's go together. It's great. You feel better when you go with somebody that you know and you're friends with. But it could also be that there'll be times, and this is his point explicitly, when maybe you don't want to go because you're tired and you want to do this. But no, the friends say, no, come, let's go to this year. And then there'll be other times where go to shul or whatever and you don't want to, but she'll want to or vice versa. The point is, if you basically are both good people trying to do the right thing, live virtuous lives, the relationship together will be greater than the sum of its parts. You become a better person by having good people in your life. And he speaks very, very narrowly. I'm expanding it, but I think I'm being faithful uh, to what he's saying. So that is, even without Torah study specifically, just more broadly, by having good people in our lives, says Rabbi Yonah, we're more likely to become, you know, even without the conversation explicitly, just we see the good habits that they have, it'll rub off on us. And sometimes we have friends that we can really talk to about our struggles and our religious ups and downs, and hopefully we each, we each help bring each other up. If you take a look at the Rambam at the end of source number five, let's go back to this is the very famous part of the Rambam in the bottom. He is saying something, again, not exactly the same, but very consistent with this. Two lines up in the bottom of source number five. Says the Rambam, you know what the, the ideal friendship is? The ideal friendship? What he calls, I mean, just to review, the Rambam had said, the Rambam even called a friend, right, the plumber that you've used for 20 years, the auto mechanic you've used for 10 years, 
Right? You have relationships, transactional. Then the Ramam said, of course, a higher level is the emotional connection. But now says the Ramam, what's the third level? The highest level. The bottom of source number five. Ohev Hamala. There's what we might say, someone has a Mila. But there's a certain Mila, there's a certain Madrega, a certain level, a certain ideal, a certain value that we both love, that we both share in common. He explains. Says the Rambam, you know what the highest form is? When the two people share a common goal. They both believe in a common good. They both have a common purpose in life. What he's calling the good, but we can fill in many things that are good. And each person there is trying to help each other because we each have this common goal, this common good that we're striving towards. He gives one example, but again, it's not intended to be limited or exclusive to that. The relationship a Rebbe and a Talmud has. A teacher and a student. So the whole connection is that together they're in pursuit of this Torah knowledge, of the truth. Again, Lahavdil, I imagine this would be true between a devoted, you know, math professor and their, uh, you know, the mentor and the mentee for many, right? They're a scientist and his or her apprentice, you know. You're, you're there together chasing this truth. You have this value, this goal, this ideal. And the fact that you're both dedicated to it, it raises the whole level of the relationship because now you have this thing that's above both of you that transcends both of you. And when you're committed to something that's transcendent, it's not about my limited, who do I enjoy going out for coffee with? Who do I just enjoy sitting next to in shul? Those are also important levels. Who can I share a fear I have? Who can I talk about a challenge I have? Also all important. All important. Ramam already said that. But that is something even beyond that, says the Rambam. Rabbeinu Yonah wasn't talking about levels. He was just saying different. But the Rambam is giving you, you know, telling you what he thinks is more important. That the highest level of human relationships, says the Rambam, is when you share something in common. A higher purpose, a higher goal. And this person is my partner, as it were, to which together we are trying to accomplish this common good. Because that common good, think of it like a triangle. The two people are on the bottom, the base of the triangle. But the common good is right in the middle above both of you. And you're both striving towards that together. It's above both of you. It transcends both of you. And it elevates the whole relationship. Now he gives the example of a Rebbe and a Talmud. But as I am, it's clear in the context, you don't have to be a Rebbe and a Talmud. It could be two friends, but who are, again, sharing this. Again, it's very similar in his own way. Maybe even more powerful, but it's very similar, I think, to what Rabbi Yonah was saying. You become a better person if you have people in your life who are trying to also be good in similar ways that you are. So it could easily be friends. It could easily, he says explicitly, you know, rabbis and students or teachers and students. Uh, but as I often like to say, and I think it's very important and I think it's absolutely true, there's a core person that this should be is your spouse. Now, not only because maybe when you were engaged or at the Sheva Brachas, the rabbi said that you're both, you know, you're both going to be trying to become better people and you're going to help each other. I'm not poo-pooing any of that. That's actually true. But I'm saying even before, even before that, even before that, just the fact you're building a family together. 
It's like, before you get to, we're each going to grow, and I'm going to look back at my 20th anniversary, or my 40th anniversary, or my 50th anniversary, and I can see the religious trajectory of the family, and me and my wife, or me and my husband, we helped build each other, we both got better. Halavai. Halavai, really halavai. But I'm saying, even without that, even if you're not on that madrega, you build a family together. What is a better example of this Rambam than that? You have children that you both love, that you both care about, that you're both putting everything you have into, emotionally, financially, everything. Because, again, now, if you have a problem when maybe the husband and the wife don't want the same thing from the children. You know, if they have different visions of what you want from your family, okay, that's going to be a very hard thing. That's, a hard, you know, that, that's not the kind, you kind of want to figure that out before you get married, if you can. That can be very challenging on a couple when they really don't have the same goals or values. But that's not what the Ramam is talking about. What I'm saying, when you have people who have the shared values, they have the shared values. They want to raise this kind of family. Again, we also know, I'll add, since none of us here are newlyweds, right? you have to then be flexible. Because life never works out the way you expected. It's important to have a business plan, but it's very important to be flexible. That's why you need to have the right person. That, that's why you need the other levels, the emotional. You need to have that person that you can be flexible with. And when there are bumps in the road, or changes in direction, or the road is closed and you have to, ways has to put you on an alternate route. You can travel with that person. But you want to be in a relationship that wherever you're going, the original intended route, the same highway, a different highway, whatever road of life you end up taking, but if you're sharing a common goal, a common purpose, not just because, oh, well, yeah, he's funny or she's funny, I like being in the car with them, or he's pretty or she's pretty, I'm attracted to them. He goes, oh, I'm not poo-pooing any of those things. But that's not what the Ramam's talking about. That's clearly not the highest level. You need to have that too, maybe. But when you have a goal in life, and you share that with that person, together we are going to do this thing together. Raise this family in this way. Hopefully create these children, this generation, this legacy together. So having that shared common purpose, says the Rambam, that's the highest type of relationship a person can have. Because now you have something above and beyond either of you. Not only beyond your physical needs, even beyond your own, so to speak, spiritual needs. There's something that's not inside of you, it's something else. There's this goal. Now again, it doesn't just have to be, again, I think maybe the highest expression might be a husband and a wife. But it could even be, just again, just to be very, I think, down to earth about this. If there's a few people who will get together because they're on the shul dinner committee. So in a microcosm, in a short order, that's also an example of this. Or for, for this year or two, these four people or these eight people are on the board of the mikvah together or the school together. The point is you have the shared value. I'm trying to help build the shul. I'm trying to help build the mikvah. I'm trying to help whatever the thing is. And we have a project that we're coming together for. We have a shared value. Again, I'm not, I don't know if that's the ultimate. You know, certainly nothing can compare to children and that's like the ultimate. But anything that you have a shared value, a shared purpose... So then that transcends the two of you. And that bonds the two of you. And again, you're not probably going to be successful doing and sharing and pursuing that purpose if you also are incompatible on an emotional level and you don't know how to talk to each other and get along and know how to disagree agreeably. Of course you have to have all those things. You have to know how to talk to each other. But it's much more than that. When you have this shared purpose, you transcend all of that, so to speak, because you're in pursuit of this common goal. So again, it could be a temporary thing, like for these two years we're on the school board together. And for these six years, we, you know, worked on the same shear together or the same... Again, it could be even, I know, you know, uh, you know some great, you know, uh, production. Every year, there's, you know, for 10 days, there's the, the play, and we're all working on it, and we're on community theater. Again, it doesn't have to be always so holy and whatever. I mean, again, we're talking about good things. I don't mean bad things, God forbid. 
But the more virtuous, then even higher. But it's the idea that when there's a shared purpose, then again, the image of the triangle, at least that's how it sticks in my mind, then the two of us are focused on that, that elevates the whole relationship. So you see from this, the Ramam, I think, again, Rabbeinu is very similar, but the Ramam is really striking the way he puts it, describe not only all the social and emotional uh, benefits of friendship, but there are certain, maybe relatively rare or relatively limited relationships we have in life where it's so much deeper even than that. Because we have this shared commitment which helps elevate everything. And I'll just uh, round out this point. The Rambam in at least two other places uh, makes this point in very, very powerful ways. So if you take a look, for example, source number seven in the bottom, the Rambam notes something. I'm not sure how many of you know this, because I don't know how many of you study Mishnah extensively, but often in the language of the Mishnah, the rabbis and the Tamir Chachamim are referred to as a chaver. I remember when I was a kid learning Mishnah, it was the first time, actually, I, let me be honest, I don't remember the first time I actually came across this, but the first time I remember noticing this, I can't remember how old I was, but I was obviously younger than I am now, you remember thinking it's weird, why is the Mishnah all of a sudden talking about a chaver, a friend that didn't make any sense in the Mishnah? Until whoever explained to me, I can't remember who explained it to me, maybe there was a commentary in the book, maybe I had a teacher, maybe I had a friend, but somebody explained to me, no, no. in the Mishnah, a chaver refer, is actually a compliment, it's not just a uh, relate. it refers to a very learned, pious person. I think actually in addition to learning this in Mishnah, my grandmother, my grandfather died when I was a baby, um, and then my grandmother was a widow, if I remember correctly, I think for 10 years, but something like that, and then my grandmother got remarried. And I don't remember my grandfather, but I'm the only one in the family who's even alive when my grandfather passed away. My two younger sisters never even met him. I met him, I think he died when I was one. But, um, but we all had a Grandpa Herman, who was my grandmother's second husband, for many years, many, many years. Unfortunately, they've both since passed. But my step-grandfather, if you will, my Grandpa Herman, so he was a yekka, a real yekka's yekka, in the Heights the whole time, until he married my grandmother. He was from Germany to Washington Heights. Mama Shayeke. And he, his father had been a very distinguished member of the community in Washington Heights. For those who don't know, that's the uh, German Ashkenazi uh, Yekesha Kehillah in New York. And he was known as Hachaver. When my, when my grandfather, Grandpa Herman, would get an Aliyah, it was his name Ben Hachaver so-and-so. The first time I heard that, I was like, what is that? And he looked at me like I was like, that's like the highest compliment a person can get. If you're in the Yekisha Kehillah, and I don't know what the qualifications are, but if they tell you you're a, you can now be called Hachover so-and-so. They were called up to the Torah. Yes, I, I heard my, again, my grandfather was called up as the son of Hachover so-and-so. So it's the same idea. So either way, it's weird. The Rambam notes this. Like, why is it that this compliment, this virtue, oh, you're a big Tamil Chacham, or you're a virtuous, you're a leader of the community, why are we calling that person a Chaver? Where that, okay, the, the reason the Yekis do it is because they got it from the Mishnah. But why did the Mishnah do it? So look at the Rambam, source number seven. It says in the Mishnah, a Chaver means a Tamil Chacham. Why? The Karum B'Shem Zeh, M'nei Shechavrutam Zelazeh, Hi HaChaveruta Amitit, Neshihi L'Shem Shemayim. The reason this term was, exp- was used is because the relationship between Tamirich HaChamim, which the assumption is that they're not fighting like cats and dogs and disrespecting each other, but rather they're in common pursuit of the right and the good, of Torah, of doing good things in the world, that is the truest form of friendship. 
it's a, it's a way of making the point we made in the Rambam, which you know, the Rambam used quite a bit of words, and I use even more words to try to explain to you. But in one word, says the Rambam here in source number seven, is all of that. The highest type of people and the highest type of relationships are called chaver, to express us. That is the personality. That's the ultimate. Two people who share this pursuit of Torah. Again, I don't think it just has to be Torah. I think more broadly, like I think the Yekas are right. It's not just the Talmud Chacham, although even though the Mishnah probably is what it means. But more broadly, says the Rambam, the idea that there's two people for whom the most important thing in life is this higher spiritual value, they're, rela- they're called Chaveirim, and not, well, but I'm not a friend with the, the person. I play pickleball with him or her. Uh, we, we, we go running uh, every week. We go to the... No, that's fine. That's also a friendship. Of course it's a friendship. But the, the person you learn Torah with, the person who you're trying to pursue a better life with, a more virtuous, more holy life with, that's true friendship in the sense that, as the Rambam already told us in source number five, that the ultimate relationship is when two people are sharing a pursuit of something elevated, of something amazing. And that's why the whole idea of a chaver comes from. If we take a look briefly at source number eight on the second page, this is very, very important. Um, as parents or educators, for those in the room, uh, this is the very famous Rambam, where he acknowledges that there is an um, unavoidable <laughs> truth, an immovable object, a force of nature that cannot be altered, and it's called peer pressure. There is no such thing, says the Rambam, of a person being unimpacted by the people that they surround themselves with. The only question, says the Rambam, is whether it's for good or for bad. But the idea that a person could live and be completely oblivious to the people around him or her is impossible, says the Rambam. Derech briyoso shel adam. It is the way Hashem created us. Lios nimshach badeosav uba ma'asav achareyav vechaveyrav. Our values and our actions will be impacted by the people we associated with. Whether they're our friends, our relatives, or minag anshe medinaso, even just our neighbors. Therefore, you have to have good friends and good neighbors and good role models. The Ramam goes on to say that if you can't find a good chevra, then better to run off to the, to the desert and to the mountain and be alone. But that's far from an ideal. And in 99.9% of the cases, that's not even true. Because we can always find a chevra. But the point, says Ramam here, I think part of the broader idea here is the reason this is so important, and this is underlying everything we've said until now in terms of the religious dimension of the shir, aside from all the emotional benefits of friendship, the reason it's so important to have the right friends is because it is fool's gold, it is a folly to think that we can just interact with and have fun with and play with and talk with Anyone we want, anyone we enjoy in the moment, it's not going to impact what kind of person I am. If you, you have to realize that the type of company you keep, you're in essence authoring your own future, whether you realize it or not. And therefore, it's very, very important to have good friends because, again, whether you want it or not, the friends will be impacting who you are. So the highest and preferred form of friendship, obviously, are the type of friends who are going to help you uh, get better. We just have five more minutes, so I'm going to just add a postscript to this year. And I just think, since we have, our relationship is one of learning here on Wednesdays, so how could we not end the shear with a few sources about the role of 
relationships, friendships, a chabura, a group of people who come together to learn. So we've already seen that the Rambam and others mentioned that one of the levels of friendship is um, that you study Torah together. If you skip for a second to source number 11, very famous phrase, teaching of the Gemara. The Rambam actually quoted this. We didn't, we didn't, I skipped it before, but the Rambam really didn't add much. He just quotes the source number 11, which is the Gemara, which says, I learned a lot from my teachers. But I learned even more from my friends. Now he also says a third thing that I learned from my students, this is for, the Rebbe, for the teachers in the world. My students taught me even more than my teachers. That's, that is itself a riddle, but that we're not going to solve today. That's not our topic. But the middle comment, I could have the best Rebbeim in the world, but I'll learn more from my friends. Now, how does that make any sense? What does that mean? My friend who's just trying to get through, you know, can't read the sources on his or her own, does not prepare, and I get to sit in from some major teacher, a big Rosh Hashiva, a big rabbi, a big Rabbitson. How are you going to tell me I learned more from my friend? What does that mean? Clearly, it's a provocative idea. What is it getting at? So, one possibility, perhaps, as Chazal tells us in sources number nine and number ten, is that it's not, leave aside the issue of the teacher, we'll get to that in a second, but just having a friend to learn with. It could be a chavrusa, it could be the fact that you come together in a group and you learn in a shir, you interact with people, but you're not doing this as just a lone wolf. You're not just trying to pursue your own way. The, the group helps us prevent mistakes. If we share, we read out loud, we talk about whatever the issues are, so then it'll help us prevent mistakes. In source number nine, the Gemara, really based on Apostolic and Mishle in Proverbs, which has become well-known even as a secular idiom, Iron sharpens iron. Right? Armies use this phrase, right? Even sports teams, Lahavdil, when they have tremendous competition internally. We'll get the best players because we're going to compete in practice to see who's going to get better. And then the competition will make each other better. So he, we're not talking about competition in Torah. I have a Chavrusa. I go to share with people. I talk about things with people. That's not a competition. But the idea is that by talking with each other and learning, by sharing our ideas, It'll crystallize, right? When you have to share an idea, it already makes you clearer. And all of a sudden, the person you share this idea with, oh, that is not so clear, and how does that make sense? Not because they're trying to be annoying, because they don't, they don't see it the way you see it. And maybe they'll be right, and you'll change your mind. Or maybe they'll just force you to tighten the argument, or formulate it a little bit differently. But you get better, you get sharper. Or as the Medrash in source number 10 says, what if you forgot something? You went to the shear. If you just listened to the podcast on your own, maybe you remember it well, maybe you didn't. But if you go to a shear with people, and then you say, well, did the rabbi say this or did he say that way? Well, with, with other people, again, it's a very simple level, but he's, even the simple level, we should point out that if I forget something, if I, have a, if I have a chabur, if I have a group of people, if I have friends who I can talk with, they're going to help each other. Just to conclude, in the last two sources, 12 and 13, they're addressing the question which is really fascinating and something to think about, especially in the context of our weekly shir, but, or any other shir you go to, which is what does that mean that from my, stu- from my friends I'm going to even learn more than the teacher? So you might have thought... Maybe the teacher's not a good teacher. That's obviously not relevant here. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But as he had a, even a great teacher, I can learn more from my friends. How so? So Rechaim Volozhner, source number 12, says, because if you, it, when you learn with a friend, you have a chavrusa, you're talking over people, that's active. That requires effort. You go to a class, so the nature of the class is usually it's passive. 
I try to get you guys to talk, you don't want to. So you're passive. You must think that I'm just giving it over so clearly. And there's a madrega, and there's a mile to that. But says Rechaim Voloshner, yeah, but then you're going to be more passive. It's not as great. Whereas when you're talking over with a person who you don't look up as a role model, it's not the teacher, the rebbitzin, the rabbi, so then you're more active. You're going to make sure that there's, there's more effort that's needed. So that's what Rechaim Voloshner says, or in Rav Yaakov Emner, source number 13. We don't necessarily trust um, I'm sorry, so that's number 13. And number 13, he says, also, when you have a teacher, and this may be exactly what happens in this class, maybe, every time I ask people to ask questions, no one wants to ask, because people are sometimes embarrassed in front, of the, in front of everybody, in front of the teacher. You don't want to admit you don't, you don't know something, you don't understand something. But when you're talking with your friend about something, if you had a chavrusa with your friend, you're going through the parsha together, you wouldn't be embarrassed necessarily to tell him or her. So there are all sorts of Surprising, you know, um, uh, you know. I think in you know in war, there's a kind of you know asymmetrical warfare. The idea that sometimes the bigger army can sometimes be more vulnerable because they're not as fleet of foot. Right? This is the Vietnam syndrome, or maybe we'll now call it the Simchastar Hamas syndrome, right? Sometimes the younger, you know, the, the weaker they are, sometimes at least initially they catch you by surprise, right? Be, so in a Lahav deal, here also you would imagine the big Rosh Hashiva, the big Rabbi, the big Rebetzin. I'm going to learn much more from him or her than I can from just my friend, my neighbor. So you're right. Obviously, on some level, the teacher who's an expert, a scholar, is going to be better. Of course. But there are asymmetrical, there are surprising benefits from Dafka learning with people who are your equal. Not from, but with. You won't be as embarrassed to admit what you don't know. You're not posing. And also, it requires more active learning because you can't just trust their expertise. They'll know everything. You actually have to Grind and schwitz a little bit yourself. So we saw, in conclusion, three ideas. The broader point about the role of friendship, and specifically some really powerful sources, <laughs> I think, about the, the need for emotional connection, to have people in our lives that we are vulnerable with, that we have to even, as it were, be willing to pay for. Not actually pay to buy off people. But that's how important having those kind of relationships are. And that pay might mean suffer, pay the price of the imperfect relationship, because still we get so much out of having relationships in our lives. And no one's perfect. Sometimes we have to pay. It's not all profit. And then we saw the religious benefits. And then specifically we finished with some of the learning benefits of having good friends. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for being my friends.